Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, uh, welcome to the next episode of the Challenger Podcast. So much to unpack, so much to talk about. Five events to recap, five events to preview. It's one of those extremely hectic weeks uh, again. And I'm joined by my friend Jakub, who was out last time, but he is back here, back with a triumphant, um, I don't know, with a triumphant what? With a triumphant <laughs> 10 events to talk about, let's say that. Yeah, a, a triumphant million events, um, which I am... Like the the erotic thing is 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 that I'm I missed the last episode because I uh I've been having a weird sleep schedule because of the NBA playoffs and I somehow overslept uh our like eleven AM recording by like three hours. Um yeah. <laughs> and the, the thing was I was so much better prepared that I saw so much more tennis last week than I did this week. <laughs> it is so frustrating. I was gonna talk about Bachinger retiring, I was gonna talk about all this stuff, Gakov. Oh my God! Uh, well, Gombos, but oh, Gombos, you know, right? Yeah, you missed week. the you missed the Norbert Gombos episode. Jesus, I I I I, I missed the Gombos week, which I mean, who knows how many of those are going to be left? Um, but yes, yeah. let's start in Oerash, uh, where we had the one twenty five this week, won by Jean Borpiros, who was also a champion last week back-to-back titles uh, coming from split. And he did it without not just dropping a set. He didn't drop more than four games in a set. He didn't drop more than seven games in a single match of tennis, which is just incredible dominance. Um, just great. He beat Serundolo, uh, Juan Manuel Serundolo in the final. On his road there, he beat Sweeney, Merida Aguilar, Copeyans, and Sebastian Ofnar. Up 16 spots, number 118, his new career high ranking, 84 points away now from the top 100 what did you think of Piroš this week uh yeah and as you said i think this is really key that he was back he went he tried to go back to back he had such short matches but even in general you know Piroš has struggled with his physicality so much and the last six weeks he's always in the quarterfinals and he's still holding up and this is really yeah. why he is right he right now has put himself in contention for a top 100 debut you know the guy has four top one, four challenger titles all since july so it, it's really no wonder that he's getting pretty close, right? Um, what an insane run he is on, really. Quarterfinal, 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 and no two titles. Uh, just insane. And this time their match with Copians was actually really short in the quarters, which was a surprise given how they usually just went toe-to-toe with each other. Uh, a funny story was that um, I tweeted before this match that, you know, um, that they meet, they're meeting again, like just before this match, they're meeting again. It, it always delivered. And of course, then it was a six love six two. And uh, actually, like 20 minutes maybe after this match had finished, Copeans retweeted, the, retweeted my, my tweet. And I'm like, 
Kimer, what, what, like, what, what are you doing? You, you lost this much 6-0-6-2. Do you really want people to know that you have such great, such a great rivalry with Pirosh? But apparently he did. I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I was, uh, I was like that in my head. I haven't actually asked him, but, um, but anyway, uh, yeah, as you said, uh, just, uh, for example, Pirosh, who has been basically struggling with, anything possible since the beginning of his pro career uh, to mm. actually be able to produce six consecutive weeks with at least three matches in uh, is just amazing. And um, yeah, since late 2021, we've been talking about Jean-Paul Piroz being like a top 100 player when healthy. This, this was when he made a lot of progress, of course, coming back after another series of injuries, basically. And uh, yeah, hopefully he's going to be able to do it. Basically that, that timer be- until Tampere uh, looks kind of doable, right? He he doesn't really have yeah, much to defend yeah, sure. soon. So three months where he can uh, easily do it if he just keeps up this form. And um, yeah, I hope not, it's not going to be an issue that he has played so much tennis recently. Yeah, I mean, I think that he will qualify from his section in, in Madrid qualifying. Uh, he has uh, Goyo, Hoinski and Andujar in there, which I think that he, he should be beating if, if he's at all fit coming from this which i mean uh all straight sets in oerash so it's not like he's traveling very far um this this should work for him uh so it's a great opportunity already off of the back of these two challenger titles to then and maybe go and get a couple of wins at a at a 1000 which would be huge for him uh as for serundolo his 10th challenger final he won his last four before this is last final uh, loss was in October 2021 in Lima. He is 7-3 in Challenger Finals after this. Uh, his road to the final had less uh, star-studded names. Uh, we had Duarte Valle. Um, uh, we had Yamas Ruiz, Uchida, and Pedro Souza in his final match uh, there. Up 90 spots number 104 for Serendola. What did you make of this week for the Argentine? Yeah, he was my pick. So, um, a bit bummed not to get the point because, well, he was like a slight favorite for the bookies ahead of the final. I actually wasn't sh- so sure about that, but I guess usually it's kind of hard to tell, like, who's going to struggle with Serundolo's unique play style after all. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I was kind of uh, thinking that maybe he might lose to Yamas Ruiz, but he managed to get over that, uh, green clay swing or like maybe like hard true swing. Uh, that he did and that completely didn't work out for him pretty quickly. And, um, yeah, just like Pirosh, he was, he didn't lose a set on the way to the final, didn't even drop more than four games. But of course, he eventually dropped them in the final. Uh, had some yeah. sort of a forearm issue as well in the final, but it didn't seem like it was hampering him, you know, that much after the, the MTO, he was also looking fine. So hopefully not, not another setback because of course, not unlike Pilar, Pirosh, he's also been struggling with a lot. Uh, yeah, and I, I mentioned it in, in this last section, but we, we move on to Pedro Souza. This was his last dance, his final tournament uh, actually, uh, as a professional. Actually, is, actually, is his final tournament? he uh, said, uh, well, initially, the, uh, I think it was uh, from, from, my, from what I gathered from um, a Portuguese friend on Twitter. Um, initially, Pedro Souza just said that he was going to retire in Oeiras. But they assumed that it was going to be the Oerash 1 to 5. But apparently he wants to retire at the second event in Oerash in a month. And okay. between right. that, he might play something, but it's unclear. But he he is he intends to retire at the second event in Oerash, actually. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, I, I hope he doesn't go out in the first round in that one because that'll be quite <laughs> upsetting after having this great uh, last dance sort of narrative coming through the week. First, taking out Enrique Rocha, uh, who had a very nice showing in, in Estero quali- uh, qualifying and then uh, got through there. So I thought that was going to be an interesting challenge that dealt with him. Took out Alexander Muller, who's just coming off of a great ATP main tour result, beat him in straight sets. Uh, then finally dropped a set to Steven Diaz uh, of of all the players in the quarterfinals. Lost to Serundolo, uh, 34 years old. What did you think of Sosa's uh, not last tournament here? Yeah, definitely quite inspired. You know, even even just looking at his at his results, it's like pretty clear that this was his best event since what Maya 2020, so the end of the 2022 season, and that that kind of really tells you that uh, Pedro Sosa suddenly found some of his best tennis again in 2023 in after a year and a half of struggling clearly just being so close to retirement on the verge literally i also thought that this was going to be his first event but then i actually had to you know just um someone someone wrote on twitter that it's one of his last and that's why i started you know investigating let's say uh but um yeah just clearly inspired by that and extremely motivated to still in, in his in his very last showings, in one of his very last showings, just uh, give it his all. And yeah, hopefully he's also going to produce in the second Ayrash event, because you're, you're quite right that it would be a bit of a bummer if after this he finished with a round one exit to, I don't know, Steven Diaz, for example. Lorenzo Giustino, just yeah. anybody. Uh, a player. Uh, the other semifinals was my pick, Sebastian Ofner. Uh, well, lost the eventual champion, so it's not a bad pick. Uh, but yeah, he beat Petr Noza in straight sets to start and dropped the set to James McCabe, came back to win 2-6-6-1-6-2. Also had to come back from his set against Andrea Vasori in the quarterfinals, but he does get there his fourth semifinal in 2023 after the three finals. Uh, didn't push Pirosh too far, but yeah, how do you balance this week for, for Ofner? Still excellent, right? I mean, since the beginning of the year, he's just constantly getting results outside of that maybe little lull when he tried to play the um, Indian altitude swing. Um, hopefully for him, he can do well and he can do much better in the Madrid um, qualifying as well, which you mentioned with Pirosh, because it would feel very natural, right, for him to to do well there with the sort of conditions that um that are at this event and also uh just with how well he's been playing because essentially since the beginning of the clay season he just never really missed a beat <laughs> he's just not losing to anyone who doesn't present a certain quality and um yeah i mean even if you read out the names maroshan genesi kopayan's team kachin pirosh these are his losses since the beginning of the clay season so maybe he hasn't won an event but he just beats all the guys he should be beating and only loses if someone else has a great performance so on the day so and lots of these losses were were pretty close to not unlike the one to pirosh uh, this week but um, certainly, um, still a good win over Vafasori for him in the quarters and just another very solid run. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that Madrid qualifying draw is, is nice for him as well. He has Adi yeah. met in the first round, then he has Joao Souza or Safulin. So he is definitely the, the favorite to, to make it out as well. Uh, over in the doubles, we had Korna and Shkugor win the title, beating Demoliner and Vavasori 7-6, 7-6. We can move on to Florianopolis, where we had Tomas Barrios Vera beat 
Alejandro Tabilo in an all Chilean final to give you the lead in the winner's picks. 6-4-6-4, third challenger title for Tomas Barrios Vera. Um, second this season after San Luis Potosi just two weeks ago. On the run this week, uh, he beat Haide. Justo was the only player that took a set off him this week. 3-6-6-3-6-3. Then he beat Olivieri and Ribeiro uh, heading into the final. Up 16, spots number 133. What did you make of this week for Barrios Vera? Um, yeah, uh, we've mentioned it a lot of times already, but uh, he is really just firing on all cylinders this year, frankly. And um, yeah. it, it just looks like he will have a very good chance at the top 100 push. I guess it's still kind of like we don't really know if when he gets into a huge challenger, like one of these very, very stacked challengers that we usually get in South America in the latter half of the year, like whether in, in them he's also going to be able to um, provide these sort of performances because, you know, the ones that he's gotten runs in so far, they've mostly been slightly weaker. Of, of course, not on uh, the, the big exemption. Uh, the big exemption here is the Cordoba quarters that he made on the main tour, but the, the one in Piracicaba, San Luis Potosi, you know, altitude here, Florianopolis over also not a very strong field, but outside of, you know, Tabilo Olivieri, but usually all the other free players we wouldn't really be thinking of as huge threats, maybe wrongfully in, in some cases. But, um, yeah, just, just, just another superb run. And, uh, whenever you look at, uh, Thomas Barrios Vera's ranking right now, one needs to remember that, uh, he, like, he stopped his 2022 campaign after June. So he is mm-hmm. not defending anything from July onwards. And that's why he's, you know, him being right now very close to his career high is absolutely insane because he basically has just six months on his ranking. So, so much, yeah, yeah, room to, to, to go still. 10 wins in a row. And, and yeah, just, just probably one of some of the best tennis he's played. And even if maybe peak wise, probably he had something similar. It never lasted this long. So, um, yeah, pretty insane. And, and he was clearly the better Chilean in the final, in the first, uh, old Chilean final in 38 years. Wow! Wow! Nice, nice stat uh, that you, that you came out with. That's that's great. Uh, yeah, I mean, can, can he uh, sort of continue to to impose himself on like at, at like at the same clip on the same level uh, against that sort of elite South American field that we'll get? We will see. Uh, I think that will be a very interesting South American field. I feel like Diego Schwartzman uh, might be Ooh. in there, which I think will be a very exciting addition. I'm not breaking anything. That's just my theory. When I look at the rankings, mm-hmm. I mean, he's sort of dropping down. I think that he'll want to go play in front of those crowds instead of uh, suffering at European indoor hard courts. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you you have guys like Varias there, Serundolo, um, Delian will be in there, Monteiro maybe, who knows, Kawan. Uh, so it, it will be tougher, of course, than this, where you have a couple of rounds of, um, you know, very low level of position we're not really going to get that um but i'm i'm definitely excited about his prospects going forward as for tabilo it was his fifth challenger final he's one in four in those finals his first one since uh santiago in 2022 to start he beat gonzalo bueno 6-1-6 love then to cut puccinelli de almeida also in straight sets uh, beat Comesaña 7-5 in the third. Also Fukat Hassan in straight set, uh, three sets, sorry. Uh, up 23 spots number 153, which surprised me because I, I guess, didn't notice that Tabilo dropped 
that low uh, where he's already up 20 spots and he's still outside of the top 150. Um, but yeah, what did you make of Tabilo uh, this week and his his position going forward? Yeah, he dropped when he lost that ATP Tour final. And I think there was also a semi that he made last year at the Golden Swing Rate. And there was just a moment when he dropped to 180 or something like that. And even the Indian Wells uh, third round, the four, fourth round, didn't help that much. Uh, but certainly he has improved a lot in recent weeks. And of course, the Indian Wells was the the result, the, the sort of eye-catching run where it showed. And and here uh, probably did, probably wasn't playing um, quite as well as Barrios Vera throughout the week, but also had much tougher opposition, I would say, on like, um, you know, on average, um, if we were to somehow try to uh, yeah, take, out, take the average out of the opponents they played. And uh, the final, uh, apparently he's uh, loving four, like four zero down to uh, Paris Vera in the head to head right now. I don't know if to, if, if there's much that we can really take out of this, but they've already played twice this year and it was both times straight sets for the other Chilean. He certainly, uh, like, it certainly seems that Barrios Vera doesn't really struggle with the lefty topspin of Tabilo, just hits off it, hits through it, uh, flattens out his backhand, you know, when they play, when they're playing these left-handed forehand to, to backhand rallies that you're going to see so much with left-handers. So maybe, maybe that's the reason why definitely was, was very close to picking up the title here as well. So, um, yes, 176 is, is quite harsh, but, you know, that's the reality. That's how he's been playing since the Golden Swing last year, but essentially. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, to start the season, it was also quite, quite poor. So it's good to see that he's turning it around now, also in the challengers as well. Uh, as for semifinalists, let's start with Ribeiro, uh, who beat Aboyan, Coyarini, and Fonseca, who we'll talk about later, to reach his first challenger semifinal at 25 years old. He had one challenger main draw coming into this week. Uh, moves up 54 spots, number 335 in the rankings. Huge week for Ribeiro. Uh, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, Ribeiro is actually pretty insane for a guy who is 25 and, as you said, just never really played that many Challenger Majors. Uh, he beats Katov in Rio de Janeiro qualities and then played a very decent match against Gaston as well. Uh, like sometimes when you, when you catch him on a good day and of course he mostly had good days in this, in this run. Uh, it's just insane how heavy his forehand is. And he also has a lot of variety. You know, he, he's kind of like, uh, if Reis da Silva, uh, that Reis da Silva from the, from the huge run that he had last year when he lost to Bagnis in the final, I can't remember, was it like Sao Leopoldo or one of these events? And, uh, if, if Reis da Silva played like that, not on altitude, and if he played at that sort of level all the time, then that's Ribeiro at his peak. <laughs> Uh, that, that, that's the sort of game. And also that's, that's the sort of level to me. And yeah, it's just shocking that, uh, he has never been ranked higher, that he has never, you know, played even, as you said, like played that many challenger majors even, um, or, or like maybe, maybe played is, is not really, but got many wins in challenger majors. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of shocking when you watch how well he can actually play, uh, in, in runs like this and both the wins over Colarini and Fonseca were just absolutely top notch. And, um, yeah, so excited to see what he, what he can do with it from here, um, in, inside the top 400. So I imagine that would, that should give him mostly like, um, you know, qualifying in, in most of these, uh, challengers in South America. Yeah. When basically from three, eight, eight ish to, 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you're you're seeing a, a high ceiling for for oh, yeah Abs- potentially Abs- absolutely, and I'm I'm just you know anytime I look I'm at his record so into, far into a prediction, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not really gonna happen. But um, 25 <laughs> years old, and when I when I whenever I w- look at his results and then at what he can do on the court, it's like you know the contrast, the disparity is is just insane to me. But well, we'll see if he can actually turn it around somehow. Absolutely. Where, where, where I mean, like we we do get guys on the challenger tour where it's like you know made made their first challenger quarterfinal at, at, at you know twenty three, twenty four, twenty five, and sometimes you see why, uh, and that's not that's not really the case here. So I mean, it's 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 more exciting than than I guess we would expect. Um, as for Hassan, this was his uh, semifinal run here as well. Second semifinal in three events after he reached uh, the semis in BL. Uh, this week he beat Tateri, 5-7-6-4-6-4. Also came back from a sit-down against Sakamoto and also came back from a sit-down against Genesi to beat him 10-8 in the third set tiebreaker to reach the semi. Uh, yeah, what did you think of Hassan this week? Yeah, very wild, definitely. All all matches in deciding sets, up and down as hell, but I guess that's Hassan for you. And especially the match against Genesi is, of course, something that uh, is to be remembered. Five match points saved, which always with Hassan, whenever he saves match points, you, you got to think about that time last year, right? When he when he saved 12 to beat Lucas Midler. So um, it's always funny that when he does it again. <laughs> Uh, somehow has a knack for these. Um, not sure, not sure how that happens, but, um, somehow he is able to just produce his best stuff. There was like one insane match point save in there, I remember, but like, I cannot really recollect it right now. And I mean, look, like now that, like it, it, it almost sounds like a little bit ridiculous, which is, which is like a credit to, to Hassan and, and the progress he's made. Uh, over the course of that season, this season, up to uh, 260 now, so he might be playing Sam Coley's uh, later down the line this year, yeah. which would be so exciting for him. And you know, Midlet is a double specialist, so to hear that he went <laughs> say 12 match points from from Midlet uh, last year is just, is just funny to to remember that. And of course, we have to mention Fonseca, uh, the reason for the season, his quarterfinal run here. He beat first Lama 6-3-6-3, then Thiago Sebashvili 3-6-6-3-6-4. Of course, went to 7-5 in the third with Ribeiro uh, in the quarterfinals. His second challenger quarterfinals at 16 years old in his two challenges that he's ever played, uh, which is <laughs> so funny to me, just 100% uh, quarterfinal rate. From from Fonseca. Um, no, he also yeah, he also played in Rio last year. Lost to Jakob Paul. Um, he had he had one more. Yeah, lost to Jakob Paul in his in his opening uh, challenger, and also uh, was uh, well qualifying Rio de Janeiro 2021. He lost to Pereira, uh, double bagel actually. Uh, but in the main draw, he played Rio last year and lost to Paul, and then then has a couple of quarterfinals. But yeah, we saw Fonseca, of course. Um, play on the main tour recently even with Molchan in Rio de Janeiro and I remember being so bummed about this because it just looked like he wasn't ready but after mm-hmm. after watching him in San Lo- Sao Leopoldo you felt that he he actually was like the game was there why isn't he producing you just have it? to say Molchan is that good uh he, he can make you look absolutely um, 
Not not in, not in that case. Not in that case. No, like, no, no, like I was clearly so I, I, yeah, so nervous. Very much overwhelmed by the by the moment there. Uh, yeah, and here he he showed that it's true that he actually wasn't. It, it wasn't too early for him, even though he's sixteen, which is crazy. And like, um, anytime uh, anytime I uh, tweet something about him, I I have to mention that because of course that's that's like the big thing, big takeaway here, I guess. And here you can actually bait out a prediction from me, and and like it's clear that he's like I don't know at least a top fifty talent. Later on, you don't know what's gonna happen, but he's just insane, honestly, for his for his age, and not only for his age, because these um, the serve and the forehand are just weapons that are I think already too ready. Um, of course, there's a lot to learn in terms of like uh, shot selection, experience, point con- point, con- point construction, uh, mentally as well. You know, which we saw in Rio de Janeiro. Of course, there's much to be gained, but like the, the sheer game already is is extremely uh, um, you know uh, pro ready to me, and um, it's definitely definitely an insane talent. And to to see that win over Sabofield was was definitely something special and. Perhaps one of the ones that in in a few years we're going to be mentioning as uh, one of the moments when the the champion was born, sort of. And um, yeah, he just he lost to Ribeiro in a, in a very tight match. Um, well, yeah, not expecting I mean, like, him to claim f- titles yet, right? But still, future champion, I think is correct. Like you, you, you go top fifty. You said. I said top fifty is pretty clear. Like, I'm I'm gonna go. What top happens 20. after that? I mean, like he 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 seems like a very very brilliant yeah. player. I, I just think it's it's often just you know a guessing game at some, after after some sort of ranking range. Like there's so yeah, much that know, can happen. Yeah. But I I I, I uh, if you said top ten, I wouldn't say no. I'm I'm just saying you know at least top fifty. That's that's more or less what I'm saying and. You know that that's the only prediction you can bait out from me. I like to sit on the fence. I like to you know wait to see what's yeah. gonna happen. But I'm just um, saying a, a, a lot of players reach the top fifty at some point in their in their careers. Yeah, uh, that's true. And he's better so than eighty like percent the, of them. He's gonna be better than eighty yeah. percent of them. Let me say that that. That, 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 that. that's how I feel like. I think at least at some point in his career, he will stretch yeah. together a run where he goes into the top twenty for at least a bit. And I think. It, it will most likely be more than that, but yeah, top twenty is is I'm I'm comfortable with that prediction for myself. You guys might think that it's early for these sort of predictions, but that's how good he is already. And uh, yeah. it's it's also like not um, I don't know Linda Fruvirtova style when when she's like sixteen and she's already really good, but you can see that at the top level it's not necessarily going to work. He has a game that is very well suited for modern tennis, so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to, to to further bait you with the potential, uh, you know, <laughs> overrating him uh, or star comparisons. Um, who's the player that, at you know, this young age, has last impressed you at, at this this level? <laughs> Jesus, um, on the men's side, that has to be, of course, because it's very different uh, age wise. I and mean, you cannot say Alcaraz because that's not really. Um, I, you, you cannot compare it, right? <laughs> You, you cannot compare it, but it's not that far off. It's it, it's it's really not. That's uh, that's what I was trying to uh, bait you with to say. I, I know, I know, he, I know. He's that's the best why player I, on the challenge. I, I was onto you early. I was onto you early, but um, <laughs> it, it's very possible that he's the best sixteen-year-old on the challenge tour since Alcaraz. Earlier, you had Felix Auger, I assume, right? 
um that that would make sense as well of course back in the day like gas case and the likes but we didn't really watch yeah. them when they were 15. so um tomic uh, won a few challengers early you know the, the, it's certainly doable for him to, I don't know, have a couple of challenger titles by the time by the time he's 18, 17 and something. Or Arthur Fields, maybe, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some, something like that. And, you know, Bernard Tomek was a career high top 20 player. So yeah. <laughs> I, I I feel like, oh, like that's a that's a good bar for, for Fonseca to, to clear, to, to set, I think. I think that's fair, personally. Uh, all right, we go on to the doubles in Florida Police, which, by the way, was quite interesting. So we had Boscarin Diaz and Haida. Uh, Haida, I don't know why I read it like he's German. Um, uh, yeah, so, so they won the title. But in the final, alongside Pedro Sakamoto, was a player I did not recognize, uh, Charles Oliveira. And why I haven't recognized him is because he doesn't really play a lot of professional tournaments he's this was his first professional tournament this year uh he only played six uh matches in the utrs uh the, the there was one in brazil where he won two matches and then he also sakamoto six ones a uh, six two and then he went to america and he got killed uh, in the utr like he, all, all his <laughs> losses were in the straight sets and then he comes here alongside sakamoto reaches the the final of a of a challenger doubles tournament which I think is pretty wild. Uh, anyway, yeah, we can move on to Morelos. Thoughts at all? Oh, I mean, I, I haven't ever seen him before. And um, yeah, that's all That's yeah. all I can really say. So yeah, pretty wild that he only played UTRs, didn't really do well in them. Lost to Sakamoto 6162, by the way. <laughs> so yeah. also another meeting with Sakamoto here. I mean, not not a meeting, but they, they they played each other. So he must have impressed Sakamoto, it seems, right? Even though he he lost to him one six to six. Catfish Sakamoto into into this partnership. Um, um, right, we go to Morelos where we had Tiago Agustin Tirante beat uh, James Duckworth seven five six love Duckworth I believe was my pick uh, this yeah. week so that's that's great to see uh, Tirante's second challenger title first since Ambato in 2021 that was his first one uh, he also did not drop a single set this week uh, he beat Mansuri six love six three beat Evan Zhu six six two seven six Fikovic six three six two Lyal six two six three so yeah I mean in Almost all of his matches, all but one, he dropped five games or fewer, which is pretty insane. Uh, yeah, up 34 spots, number 151, his new career high ranking. What did you think of Tirante and his whole sort of renaissance recently? Yeah, he, he clearly loves altitude conditions, but we thought that was mostly going to be hard courts, right? But I'm uh, sorry, clay courts, actually. Yeah. It turns out that it also translates to uh, to hard uh, for whatever reason, he was actually defending surprisingly well, like even from his backhand side, even hit a few stunning passes that I think made it onto like the Challenger Twitter account or something like that. So um, I'm surprised with that, of course, because, well, that side usually doesn't present any sort of danger. And uh, yeah, just, just shocked at how clean this run was, especially in these altitude conditions where everyone is a serve bot. And yet he drops five games to Fikovic, drops five games to five games to Layal, three games to Mansuri, also a huge server after all, and only got broken once by Ivan Zhu, who who got him to a tiebreaker. 
uh, and uh, yeah, just surprised at how clean this was, but he clearly loves altitude conditions. And if we were to like combine the whole four week altitude swing, we'd probably have to call him the best player of that. I think he lost to Hoinski in San Luis Potosi in the quarters. He lost to the eventual champ, Pechi Pericard in Leon. And also in Mexico City, he was so close to taking the final against Kepfer, just kind of choked. So also nice for him that he eventually gets that second title only less than a month after. Yeah, I mean, Kepfer was was very much the the, the leader uh, in this, you know, crown of Mexico altitude. Uh, that yeah, we but had he, here. Did, he didn't uh, play the yeah, hardcore, right? He, so. he, he didn't play the other ones. And, and uh, yeah, Tirante also has a title and a final and now other results as well. So I, I agree, concur. Um, yeah, Kepfer should have stayed in Mexico. I don't know why he went to America. That was a bit weird. Um, all right, moving on to... Duckworth, yes. Uh, his 22nd challenger final, 12 and 10, lost his last four now, and he's not won one since September 2021. Uh, that was Istanbul back then. On this run, he beat Bernard Tomic, 6-2-6-2, then came back from a set down against uh, Crawford, 3-6-7-6-6-2. Also came back from a set down against Sachkos, 2-6-7-6-7-5. Uh, so he was really fighting uh, in, in those two matches. Uh, beat Langmo in straight sets uh, and then headed into that final where he lost. Still up 11 spots, number 102. What did you make of Duckworth this week? Yeah, third final of the year. Of course, again, these are very unique conditions. So um, I don't think he was ultra comfortable in them. And you could probably see that in that Sachko match especially. And in the final where from 5-all he just put up a complete horror show and uh, was just trying to, uh, I don't even know what he was trying to do, frankly. Uh, I would, um, you know, the less said about this performance, the better. Um, kind of unlucky for you not to get the point because I guess he was a small favorite there. Uh, but uh, of course, I'm happy about it. Um, but yeah. still, um, he was trying to like get to, um, um, well, up, up until recently, he was pretty close to securing a Ron Garros main draw spot. Of course, he failed in doing that, but that's also because he's still gaining points, right? He last year he was out between um, he was out between January and May. So uh, up until I think um, June or like even the beginning of July, he's not defending anything. So he should also be ranked a little bit higher, but. Certainly quite worrying for him that he's already had three finals and hasn't won any of them. But, um, well, against Purcell, of course, he came super close in Bangalore. So maybe it's not as worrying. It's not like he, outside of these, outside of this final, it's not like he had any terrible performances in them. It was just this one that he really disappointed in. Yeah, I mean, like he he sort of didn't do well on the on the clay portion of this, which is what would uh, everybody expect. Yeah, Ostafikovic last week and then final this week. Yeah, I mean, it would have been nice to to get the title here for sure. <laughs> Let's move on to our semifinalists uh, who were both qualifiers as well, which is fun. Uh, starting with Langmo, uh, he beat Arabaj and Benjamin Locke to qualify. Then beat Reis da Silva. Neukrist uh, from a set down 3-6-7-6-6-3. Escofé, also a big battle, 6-4-5-7-7-5 to reach his first challenger semifinal as a 26-year-old. Only had two challenger main draw wins coming into this week. 
What did you think of Langevin? Yeah, definitely surprising. Definitely something that we will probably be attributing to the um, conditions, right? I mean, even last mm -hmm. week he pushed Neukrist in loan. Um, so I think there's definitely like, um, you know, we have to see that he's going to be able to do this uh, on a regular basis. But, you know, the the, um, the set of opponents he played this, this week was actually quite tough. And of course, we have to mention as we're on crack brackets here that he, he is a college player who, uh, well, got out of it a long while ago already but um certainly um you know only has had a few years and maybe he can still have some time to develop his game but uh, for now it kind of looks like a flash in the pan given the altitude conditions but we'll see sometimes it just gives you some confidence some momentum and maybe you can start overperforming but still kind of wild to, to think about i remember watching him live last year in poland and uh yeah just never really pictured this sort of a run for him in in the near future all right and we move on to our second semi-finalist uh being lyal uh who beat uh, Ruben Stadium, seven five seven six. This was a hardcore event, uh, <laughs> as well as uh, Galarno. Or wait, did I yeah. miss one? I mean, he he, he beat Lemaitre in the opening qualies round, but all oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's what I missed. So yeah, uh, once yeah. he was in the, in the main draw, beat Galarno, Yevsev, and Atman. Uh, really, really strong run from from Lyle. What did you think of him this week? Yeah, definitely a guy that I thought was actually going to be doing um, like a, even quicker progress this year, but maybe he's back on track right now. Of course, had that ankle injury in Oirash that kept him out for a month, uh, then sort of struggled after that. Still very inconsistent, but still um, a guy who definitely enjoys fast conditions. So um, just getting anything out of that Mexican swing is definitely good because, well, a quality's loss in Leon was... Uh, kind of worrying, but yeah, as you said, just a, just a very strong set of opponents here. I thought he was going to do more against Tirante, but I guess the, the young Argentine was just far that good this week. Yeah, I mean, best 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 run of the of the season from from Lyle of his of his career so far. Uh, so great to see on that front. Over in the doubles, we had Mansuri and Pevolarakis lift the title, beating Locke and Statham. We move on to uh, Tallahassee, where we had Zizou Bergs lifted the title, beating Tunglin Wu 7-5-6 to his fifth challenger title, first one since Ilkley last year. Uh, on this run, also did not drop a set. He's now third. Third winner, three winners this week who did not drop a set uh, en route to the title, which I I, th I feel like that's that's unusual. Uh, as for Berks, he beat Arnaboldi, uh, Andrea Arnaboldi, then Kipson, Zhijin Zhang, and Hong. Up 24 spots, number 132. What did you think of Berks this week? Well, and Tunglin Wu in the final, but um, I guess well, we're going to mention then. that in a second. But um, yeah, uh, as he said, not, not dropped the set. Even last week in Sarasota, he was already looking good on the, on the green clay, but just lost to Admire, the eventual champion, of course. And yeah, this, this week was just pretty much near flawless from him. Just a couple of blips, I think, especially in the Zhang uh, second set and also when he didn't serve out the first set in the final. But uh, clearly it suits his game. He's actually the only the second active player who has a challenger title on hard grass and red clay and green clay. So like Ooh. both versions, versions on clay. Uh, the other one being Francis Tiafoe. 
And uh, yeah, five two hundred titles, so many titles, but still pretty far away from the top one hundred. But you know, that kind of tells you that he's also had some uh, much weaker moments, especially the beginning of the year, of course. But I think this also um, was coming from the fact that he hasn't played that many challengers. He was also trying uh, a fair bit of main tour qualities or even main tour uh, wildcard, getting main tour wildcards even. Uh, but I think if he like tries to maybe focus a little bit more on the scheduling, he can still do some great things this year. Although, uh, you know, his, his like ranking situation isn't that amazing with that Troisdor, Tosdor, sorry, final, uh, final dropping soon. And also Ilkley, of course, which was his biggest point gain, 125k, uh, well, 125 points. Uh, but, uh, yeah, five challenger titles in the span of like what, uh, two years as well. So that's pretty. That's pretty insane too. Yeah, I I, th- I think it's really sort of lovely and poetic how we have Bergs, Tirante, Pirosh, all sort of very talented, still youngish uh, players, who I think we, we we all know how talented they were. Uh, we were all a lot higher than them at the end of twenty twenty one than we were at the end of twenty twenty two. They all, I think, in some ways, had a, a, a bad year. Uh, whether it was injuries for Piroz, worse uh, performances from Tirante, worse performances from Berg as well. So for all of them to go and uh, mostly dominate uh, their individual events this week, I, th- I think it's been nice sort of course correction from them gets them higher up in the rankings. I, it's, it's It's been nice to see. The nature is healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are some correlations between these players. I, I, I would agree with that. Uh, Piroz probably had a better 2022 than he had 2021, yeah. just, you know, getting two challenger titles, his first two and etc. But yeah, for Bergs and Tirante, definitely they, um, even if they had some good moments in 2022, uh, mostly Bergs, Tirante didn't really, they, they, they definitely had some, a bit of a lull in terms of their careers for sure. Yeah. So I, I, I can see the correlation. Yeah. That's, uh, and also like the, as you said, they all dominated their events. Yeah, I was just sort of thinking of Pirosh because uh, end of 2021, he won Bratislava, which I thought was like pretty huge because I, I well, not won, uh, made the final. Made the final, yeah. And DC as well, right? Yeah. I can yeah. DC, uh, DC, so, yeah, so, so I think that's why I was sort of higher on him. And then compared to the end of last season, he, he won Guangzhou there and then got injured and then was like, Really disappointing. Yeah, I remember six two six left to Blancano in in Bratislava. I th- I think that's why it was basically Bratislava <laughs> decides what what you think about the play. I mean, it's it's the end of the season. It it, it is you know recency bias. Once once you sort of think about the season as a whole, yeah, you know. Uh, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Anyway, we move on to Tunglin Wu, who was the finalist in Tallahassee's sixth challenger final. He was defending his only uh, title and failed to unfortunately. Uh, on this run, he beat Rybakov, Kruger, Kwiatkowski, and Kuako in a third set tiebreak. Drops 17 spots number 181. Uh, what did you think of Tunglin Wood this week? Yeah, clearly a very good green clay, green clay player. I think it makes a lot of sense. The ball still kind of sits up. It's still a pretty high bounce, uh, but but it's way more controlled, right? So for his sort of first strike tennis that he tries to play, it's it's really excellent. And not surprised that he made the final, but he was kind of no match for Bergs, at least on the day. 
um, of course, kind of quite important for him to get these points. And um, yeah, just a player with a very high ceiling on his day for sure. Even if usually you can kind of maybe even struggle to watch him when he's not uh, in in good, he's not finding his good rhythm, right? He he can be a bit of a drag for sure when he's just hitting everything out. But there's also going to be the days like when he beat Bublik in Indian Wells when the game clicks and suddenly he's even battling, uh, well, going toe to toe with main two players. Uh, and uh, maybe not the toughest run, but yeah, Green Clay is is definitely a very good combo for him. Yeah, he he sort of battled through it, which you know he he's not playing his his best tennis right now, uh, and and he knew that he has to defend this title. So I I think kudos to him for 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 getting uh, through to that final in the in the first place, keeping himself in the top two hundred. I think that's that's very important for him going forward. In the semifinals, we had Xiang Chun Hong. Uh, he beat Christian Harrison six three six one. Also took out Noguchi and Eshar Gi. Third challenger semifinal already this season after Nontaburi and Rome. What did you think of Hong this week? Yeah, not sure what happened to him in that uh, quarterfinal, but he was just so tired on Saturday. Um, and initially, even from the get-go, Semi- you know, of, semifinal. Um, in the semi, he was so tired. So yeah. I'm not sure what happened, you know, on the the previous day. Um, but even before the final, uh, the semi-final happened, uh, we already had, because of, we had, uh, Mike Cation commentating mm-hmm. on this week's, um, Tallahassee event. I think he's also going to be in, um, Savannah next week. And, uh, he, even like before they started Bergs and Hong, he was thinking about whether Hong would hold up physically. So I'm assuming that something happened in the quarters or, or something like that, which I didn't watch. But, uh, yeah, he was just absolutely dead by, by that point. Uh, but yeah, yet another good run for Seung Chan Hong, who maybe compared to Tung Lin Wu, for example, does not have the highest ceiling, but you know, he's in the top 200 and was, of course, uh, one, a very good junior a lot of years ago, but, uh, just now really realizing that potential. It took him a while, but, um, clearly belongs at the challenger level right now and, uh, is able to get a lot of good wins. Like the double bagel against uh, Svaida last week, which lo- looks, still looks wild. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for for a player like Hong, uh, who made the the semis of of Busan uh, last year, and and he had never made it past the second round of a, of a challenger before, he came in as a lucky loser. I mean, who would have thought that we would be talking about him as a as as a player on on this caliber, on this level, who was like consistently reaching semifinals on the challenger tour this season? It's it's great to see from him. Yeah, just just really like in the states and in Asia, but but still, there are a lot yeah, of players I mean, who are I mean, like, playing why, these why, events. Why and not why would doing. he why would he go to Europe? Really, I mean, it's, no, it's stronger competition and it's, and it's surfaces that don't suit him. So, but yeah, I mean, like I I get what you mean. Precisely, we'll see him, yeah. you know. It's 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 great that he he gets to put himself in in slam qualifying and stuff like that. I mean, that's that's amazing for a player like him. I'm sure that he's been wanting putting that for you know ages. Yeah. Our other semifinalist was Enzo Kuako. Uh he started rough uh, with a 5-7-7-6-6-2 win over Martin Dam Jr. Then took out uh, Dmitry Popko and Alex Mikkelsen to reach back-to-back semifinals after Sarasota. Thoughts on Kuako here? Now that I, now that we're talking about talking about it, I kind of feel for Martin Dam because he lost a very tight one to Altmaier in Sarasota, and then now a tight one to Quaco uh, in Tallahassee. Uh, but anyhow, yeah, he, yeah, he's gonna have a breakout run soon. He's he's, he's playing well. 
it's so very I'm, possible. I'm just saying that. But. It's very possible. Um, Quaco, um back-to-back semis, Sarasota, Tallahassee. Uh, that match against Wu actually had a lot of similarities to me to the win he had against Olivieri in Sarasota. This time he wasn't able to grind out the win, but it was kind of similar. Like uh, Quaco had no chances of winning this event, but he was one of the best players, you know, outside of the the uh, I don't know Wubergs, and in Sarasota it was Altmaier, Galan, uh, Mahac. So. that's impressive at the same time of course yeah i just think you know if he played bergs in the final it also wouldn't really be much um yeah uh, it also wouldn't have been a much more competitive match than we than we actually saw but uh so so a very similar couple of events for me when it comes to quaco where he's really one of the best players in the field but also pretty pretty much um uh, pretty distantly far away from the best ones yeah, I mean, like, it, it, it reminds me of, like, you know, different events, but at, at, like Escoffier, he is the semifinalist that you feel like he's going to make the semifinals, but you, you don't really actually pick him for, for the title because you, you don't really feel, <laughs> feel like he's going to win. Um, I also wanted to quickly mention Tyson Kwiatkowski and his run to the quarterfinals here. Uh, his first challenge quarterfinals since his comeback. Um, his last one was, I think, in November 2021. I don't, I don't know. Uh, anyway, here he beat Dominic Kepp at 3-6-6-3-6-4, also took out Kyle Kang, uh, and then took a set off Wu in the quarterfinals. What did you think of Kwiatkowski and this improved showing? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the 15K that he played clearly gave him a lot of momentum for this and a lot of practice on the surface as well, right? So, um, I think that was really, um, how he was able to pull it off. And uh, yeah, excited to see how he is going to fare in um, South Korea right now because he's not staying in Savannah. He's actually over in South Korea. So um, not an easy opening round with Kudla, but Kudla was struggling physically. So uh, maybe he can pull off another round one upset. Yeah, and over in the doubles, we had uh, Gomez and Kiker beat Blumberg and Martinez 7-6, 4-6, 13-11. And we move on to Rosetto Deli Abruzzi, where we had the top seed, Filip Misolic beat Rafael Collignon 4-6, 7-5, 7-6, in that third set tiebreaker for a second challenger title. Uh, he beat Juan Bautista Torres in straight sets, uh, the same with Maguer before going 6-1, 4-6, 6-4 with Pellegrino in the quarterfinals. Uh, then beats Svercina in straight sets uh, before reaching that final up 16 spots to number 126 in the rankings, 99 points away from the top 100. Uh, however, he does have Kitzbühel coming up. He does have Zagreb coming Zagreb, up even sooner. Yeah, yeah Z- Z- Zagreb is in two weeks. If it was Kitzbühel, that's in July. So he, he would have time then to make a push, but uh, he will have to get a good result in Zagreb if he wants to keep that keep that dream alive, I think, in this three-month stretch. Uh, yeah. What did you think of Misoch this week? Uh, yeah, uh, definitely. Like over, I think I feel like over the course of the hardcore season or the the indoor season, you know, whatever you, whatever we want to call it, we have sort of uh, stopped just considering Misoch a threat. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, quite clearly he's back up, back out on clay, and already just playing much better than he was. And um, yeah, as you said, I think if 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 he was defending nothing until Kitzbühel, I would be 
you know, saying that he has a very good chance at a top 100 debut, but just having the Zagreb final. And also I think he made the, the semis, was it? Or the final in Tunis last year? Uh, when he played Carbaez Baena, was that the semis or the final? I, I, th- I think it was the semis because I, I don't. I don't think he he's two and zero in finals after this. Uh, okay, Brauer made the final. Okay, yeah. So he actually didn't lose to Carbaez Baena. He lost to Brauer. But um, yeah, th- these were the two results that he had in uh, in May. Then he actually didn't play for about a month until Wimbledon qualifies. So you know there is some points to gain, but. Yeah, as you said, I, uh, until that kids BL final, 150 points dropping there, it's going to be a tough race for him, for sure. But he once again proved that on clay, he absolutely deserves to be considered a threat. Of course, was the top seed here, but actually, um, you know, we didn't really think of him as one of the main contenders. And yet he just proved us wrong and beating a very strong field as well. I, middle of the week, I was actually pretty sure that Pellegrino was going to be the winner, like that this was going to be the random week that he has from time to time. And I think in the final, it was just the, all the experience that Misolic has already amassed, even though he's still a young player. But just compared to Colignon, he, he, had, he had already been there before. And, uh, and I think that made a lot of difference in just how these, um, you know, the end of the second and the end of the third set panned out. He, I, I wouldn't really call him the better player in, in that match, at least not most of the time. The, the one sort of positive thing uh, that, I think is a bit of an advantage for Misolic is that he is going to be defending the Zagreb points. He's going to be defending them at, at, at Mauthausen, which is a, a bigger event. So he does actually have a chance to get all of those points in theory. Uh, unlike if it was a 75 and he actually qualified. So he would, have, he would, he would drop nine points uh, either way, even if he won the event, which would be ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, obviously because of the insertion of the 175s and the new masters, they, they shifted things around. So we're going to have Mauthausen in the week of, of Zagreb. So home crowd, I think that should give him a, a, you know, good, good boost <laughs> to, to try and get it. We'll, we'll see. Uh, as for Colignon, his first challenger final, he started, uh, this run by beating Marchenko, 6-7-6-2-6-2, took out Emilio Nava in straight sets, came back from a set against Onclan, 6-2 in the third, uh, then the same against Yonel, 1-6-6-4-6-1, um, before he went to that final, played a very, very tight match with Misolic, uh, still moves up 38 spots number 211, his new career high ranking, what did you think of Colignon this week? Yeah, he was on a bit of a losing streak, but uh, I remember watching him against Per in Andrzejewia in Lille, and it was just clear that he's not playing like a guy on a losing streak. <laughs> Definitely not. Of course, even indoors, he made a couple of semis, but we kept mentioning that on clay he's probably going to be even better. That's what that's when uh, that's what he had so many what he had so many good results on on the ITF tour, and yeah, just a fantastic run from him. Um, clearly belongs at this level just as on Clown, and it was a very fun quarter because, well, they're, they're coached by Steve Darcy's there. They've been, um, playing the same events. They've been traveling together and also played each other in free ITF finals before this. So that, that was quite interesting as well that they kept making actually four ITF finals before. Before Rosetta Dali Abruzzi, and these were their all meetings. So, um, yeah, a lot of the, their careers have definitely overlapped a little, uh, a lot, but of course, that's kind of by design. They're, they're coached by the same player. They're, they're driving around tournaments together, basically. So, 
Um, yeah. yeah, and and sh- really should have taken the final. He was up a break in the second set. He served for it in the third. Actually broke for five four in the third with some insane backhand down the line winners, which is definitely like backhand. Definitely is my favorite shot of his. Just very clean technically. Can, sometimes can struggle with depth on both wings, and in the final it was sometimes punished by Misolic as well. But uh, it, it there was just a very clear difference in how he played the the four all game, for example, in the third, and then the one when he actually had a chance to to win the match. Right, so um, a shame for him, of course. But um, once he recovers from that mentally, he should be able to again just produce good rounds on the Challenger Tour and clay. There's no reason why he wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, how great for for Belgian tennis now that we have David Goffin sort of on the wane. You have Zubergs getting a result. You have Colignon establishing mm-hmm. himself at 21 uh, as as a challenger three player. Onklan is also young and and in that sort of area. So I think fun times for for Belgium going forward. Yeah, it's fun times for Belgian challenger fans, which is probably like you know. Yeah. <laughs> Half percent, half a percent of Belgian tennis fans in general. Uh, we sometimes sort of live in this you know, challenger bubble where we're like, yeah, what great times for Czech tennis or Belgian tennis or something. Um, for the casual fans, it's probably not like that. But for the, uh, for the people who listen to this show, yes, it's absolutely phenomenal. I'm just saying David Goffin is at the, the, you know, he's like 32 at the end of the top 100. He's dropping sets to Feliciano Lopez. Who's been has semi-retired for half a decade, uh, so I'm just saying it's it, it's nice for them, I think, or for anybody in Belgium to sort of be able to look towards Colignon, look towards yeah, Diesel in, in in these trying times, as as Goffin, I think, and of course they the they have a huge line. a huge couple of juniors in, in, incoming, right? The uh, out of the uh, last yeah. uh, out of the last four Grand Slam boys Oops. in boys singles, two uh, have been won by Belgians, right? Or no, that's huge. No, but no, Bali uh, lost to uh, who did he lose to at the French? Um, Jesus, I cannot remember right now. He lost to Landalus at the US Open and he lost to, at the French. He lost to uh, oh, Jesus. I mean, it has to be someone very, 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 very uh, well known to us. Uh, and I'm suddenly uh, struggling. Oh, Gabriel de Bru. Uh, so yeah, out of out of the last four um, boys singles Grand Slams, three of them have featured a Belgian finalist. So yeah, that's that's pretty insane, right? Yeah, Gabriel de Bru is, is somebody that I, I expected a, a bit more from than, than he's shown us after that promising start. Uh, yeah, not really followed up on it. But uh, let's talk about our semifinalist in Rosetto. Let's start with Yonel, uh, who reached another semifinal just two weeks ago. This time he beat uh, Lavagno, well, got a second set of retirement from Lavagno at 4-4, uh, then took out Sumit Nagal and Franco Agmenone uh, to reach the semis, where he took, well, he took the first set against Colignon, but ended up losing in a pretty easy third set, which happened to him three times this week for, for Colignon. He, mm. he won a set down, but then won them easily in the end. Uh, but yeah, what do you think of Yonel this week? Yeah, uh, I remember watching him against Majedovic in uh, Segesh for Hervar, which was such a good match. Of course, he's not really the the most explosive, the most um, dangerous type of player, but he uh, definitely makes you play a lot of balls and is just super unpleasant to play against. And a lot of players will struggle with that for sure. Um, just uh, what was it like his uh, third semifinal, right? All since um, late last year. So... 
um, definitely putting himself into contention for that Grand Slam qualifying spot for these Grand Slam qualifying spots. And um, yeah, maybe not the the most, um, maybe not the highest peak, but he's he should remain uh, a player that is just going to be tricky to play for a lot of the tour, especially these guys who just cannot really control their games and like, yeah, just commit um, shit load of unforced errors. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and uh, on on the other side of the draw, we had Dalibor Svechina reaching the semifinals. A huge week for Svechina here. Uh, his first Challenger semifinal since uh, Prostyov, where he reached the final last last June. Uh, but after his, uh, you know, c- kind of a weird way that he qualified into the Australian Open, uh, past job, past the retirement from Kiker, and then in a weird win over Riedi, who probably wasn't fit. Uh, beat Munar and, and he's in the second set of a slam and since then he's barely won a match he's won one match over Kachmazov in that time everything else has been losses including two I mean some of these names Palan Mansuri Miranda Oboran on hard courts just really really poor uh he lost to Valkus last week uh well not last week in his last match coming in the sixth of six two in Estero qualifying so he's been in the gutter uh, coming in, but he came in here, beat Kaspershuk 7-5-6 love, uh, beat Rodriguez Taverna as well, beat Jesper De Jong. Very lovely week from Dalibor Svecina. What did you think of him this week? I don't really get what's happening. <laughs> how, how is that possible? Um, honestly, Riedi, I think Riedi was really fit uh, at the Australian Open. Uh, it was just Svecina defending like crazy. I mean, I've I've never seen uh, a player that was faster than Dalibor Svecina in the third round of the Australian Open qualifying. And I'm not even joking. Like he was, ev- <laughs> the guy was everywhere. And then, uh, yeah, when when he plays some a match like the, uh, I mean, a tournament like this week, getting so many good wins, Juk, Dayong, Rodriguez, Taverna, you know, what a set of opponents. Um, I still think like last year, remember, remember talking about him last year when he played in Ostrava, of course. And, um, I remember just thinking that, uh, he still doesn't really know what to do on the court. And I feel like that hasn't changed. Maybe once he sort of figures out his game a little bit better, maybe, maybe he can actually produce this sort of results consistently, but definitely quite talented, of course, with some clear limitations, like the lack of a serve, but. Um, I don't really understand what's happening with Dalibor Svechina most of the time. Is he, wait, um, is, is there something wrong on my screen? Is he just playing doubles in Ostrava next week? I have him in, I, I think he's in singles. I don't see him in the draw. He I don't know, will... maybe what's we'll get, we'll get to it. Maybe we'll get to it. Maybe, maybe we'll figure it out by the time we'll get to the previews. But, uh, anyway, let's, let's talk about it then, I suppose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, huge week for for Svecina. Over in the doubles, we had added Androge, left the title, beating Berrettini and Pellegrino, 6-2, 1-6, Match of the week, upset of the week, where would you like to begin? Um, I have my match of the week ready. I'm not sure I have my upset of the week ready, so let's start with match. I, uh, as usual, uh, if you guys want to vote in the poll, you're probably not going to be late to it by the time you're listening to this, but, um, I put out the poll and the clear, the clear winner is Sabofield over, I mean, Fonseca over Sabofield. And I have to go with it. Um, I, I absolutely have to agree with this. I was only watching this on my phone from the middle of set two because I, I had just finished something. 
uh, in real life. And um, I was just absolutely astonished with the way that the 16 year old played. Uh, you know, he out forehanded the the man with a huge forehand with a huge forehand, and uh, it was just something incredible. Especially as given, you know, Sabofield's recent form uh, going into this one, I actually was kind of afraid of the fact that maybe uh, maybe he's going to get destroyed, you know, by by Sabofield. It seemed like a possibility. Uh, what didn't seem like a possibility was a win playing like this. So yeah, that's uh, that's what I'm going to go for. Great pick. I, I did not see that match. I saw Fonseca against Lama, which I'm not going to pick uh, as my as my match of the week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm, I might I might go back and rewatch that one because um, I I think Fonseca will be will be one to watch for the future. From what I have watched this week, I have picked out uh, Fikovic over Mariusz Kopiel uh, in in Morelos. A uh, little bit of of old school. Uh... <laughs> Old, old old school altitude uh tennis that's it was it was, it was like not, not a bad match uh but i think there were certainly better matches this week that i didn't see but I for a moment i was confused and i thought you were picking this as your upset of the week and i was like what the <laughs> hell is he talking about <laughs> um, okay yeah the match of the week i can understand it i i was thinking about it when uh when putting the poll i i didn't watch it i was just looking at you know the the, the matches that mm-hmm. happened and i was like oh th- this looks pretty nice so i can understand it uh yeah upset of the week do you have a do you have a pick um, you can start maybe, and I'll tell you in a second. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll I'll start as a, as I soon as I make a pick. You know what? Yeah, I'll be sure. I'll go. I'll go Pedro Souza over Alexander Muller. If we if we consider where those two players sort of were coming into the week, of course we had this you know last dance narrative against around Pedro Souza, but I feel like in you know we're not going to call it his his retirement tournament uh since it's not but 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 like in in situations like this oftentimes a player wants to summon their best but they just don't have it anymore they just can't produce it anymore and that's what i sort of expected to happen muller coming off of that marrakesh final i i expected more from him i'm frankly quite disappointed uh from his showing in Oyarash. but yeah so it's a great story contributed to the great story I'm, I'm happy for him for sure yeah, this one I'm not going to go for because I actually sort of picked it in the last episode. <laughs> like I uh, I said that, you know, if if Pedro Sosa plays like he did in uh, Estoril, he can easily beat Miller. And um, well, um, for the bookies, there were a lot of high scores, like, for example, Feld Bausch over Navona, which is fair. Shaggy uh, over Diaz Acosta was. Yeah, and also Fonseca over Sabo Field. I'm not sure which one of these actually surprised me more most. It's definitely not Feldbausch. I think I'm going to go with Diaz Acosta Gui. Like, um, I didn't watch it, but when I saw the results, I was definitely just completely stumped. Um, Fonseca over Sabofield would have been a very fair choice for me as well. That, as I said, I was very afraid that Sabofield was just going to crush him and that it was going to be another Morchan situation, but. Uh, so that's why I, I also consider this to be a, a very huge upset. But um, yeah, I think I'm going to choose Eshargui over Diaz Acosta. As I said, I didn't watch it, but um, that result definitely had me just grasping my head in, in disbelief. All right, and we go to our previews. I hope you're excited for the five events we're about to preview. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> starting with uh soul well actually first let me update you are leading now uh the winner's picks 12 to 11 after your successful pick of barrios vera last week congratulations really really happy for you uh right let's get started on these previews starting in Seoul where we have our only 125 of the week the top seed is Max Purcell uh, playing a qualifier and then Siang Chun Hong or another qualifier Emilia Gomez plays Lee Tu and then Chilik Bilek or Yoon Jao Kete we have Duckworth playing a qualifier and then one of two other qualifiers then it's Kudla plays Tyson Kwiatkowski and then Mark Pomans or Jia Moon Lee uh, Rinki Hijikata plays Shoshima Bukura and then Don Skoip uh, or Holt we have the grand return of Hyun Chung, uh, which I'm so excited for. I, I hope that he plays well. I I, I hope that he's ready. Um, I'm I'm so excited for this. Of course, we were we were. It was rumored that we were going to get this last uh, autumn, where where they had tournaments in in Korea, uh, but he couldn't get fit in time. This time, tough start, uh, tough test to start though. He plays Jordan Thompson, the third seed, in the opener. Could face Hyun Seung Chung or a qualifier in the second though. Uh, fourth quarter, we have Christopher Banks as the second seed playing Yuta Shimizu. Will then face Diallo or Diallo or Su. Uh, Vukic plays Lloyd Harris, uh, who I feel like we haven't seen in forever, which is really that's that's really exciting. I think you're right. It's like what Tenerife that he last played, or I think so. Uh, Actually, Indian, plays... Indian was qualifying, but only one match since Tenerife. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't, I don't remember him from the qualifying. Yeah, me, me. Ilkel plays Berankis. That's the last match from the main draw here. Over in the qualifiers, we have Omar Jasica, who went over to Europe and absolutely struggled. Tatsuma Ito with a protected ranking beats Dominic Pala in 6-4-6-2 and will actually play Jasica for that spot. We have Savile against Daki Lee. We have School Kid against Goyovchik. That's really fun. Uh, Uchima against Kelly. Uh, yeah, an, 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 an interesting uh, qualifying section, some fun names. In the doubles, we have Hijikata and Paul Mans as the top seeds playing Nam and Song. That's a big first rounder. Uh, we also have Purcell playing with Uchiyama, Matsui and Wesugi. We have to mention them every time uh, they're they're in here. Love to see it. Uh, Kudla and Kwiatkowski, first round opponents, they're playing together. Uh, Harris and Smith are the second seed. Gonzalez, Gonzalez and Stolder, sort of regular teams that we see around the tour. Emilio Gomez is playing with Brandon Holt. That's fun, but going back to the singles, who are you picking for the title? Um, yeah, probably not going to pick anyone out of the qualifying. Don't think they're capable in such a strong draw. Uh, we have, yeah, as you said, Hyun Chung. He actually hasn't played singles since Ron Garros qualifying 2020. Uh, he wow. played doubles last year, as, as we all remember, one of the rare times when all the world was watching doubles. Uh, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, not picking him here. Uh, of course, Thompson is the big favorite in the, in his first match, but I also wouldn't really be shocked, I guess, with Chang beats him. Like we just don't know what sort of level he's gonna bring, right? Um, but of course, the more likely result is is Thompson. Um, Eubanks had a big run, of course, in Miami, but I don't really think that he's gonna be like consistently doing stuff like that. And I, I, in general, I feel like that last section is so even. Uh, even Vukic, whom, whom I also picked for, uh, I feel like I've picked a few times. Uh, he's playing Haris. That doesn't, again, we don't know what Haris will bring, but also then Ilkel or Berankis. By the way, Ilkel Berankis playing again, right? Uh, recently, yeah. Berankis <laughs> lost just two games to him. Um, so, the, so that bottom half, bottom half in general, I feel like is very, very even. 
I wouldn't really like to get into that. And I'm really drifting towards uh, Max Purcell peak, I suppose. Uh, we were expecting him in Mexico, but he ended up not playing, which kind of puts uh, our top 40 prediction at the end of the year, or like at some point this year, uh, to rest a little. It's still salvageable, but he would need some huge results in this South Korean swing, probably. Um, the second week of Wimbledon. Or like the second week of Wimbledon, <laughs> along with Otto Wirtanen. Uh, James everybody's Duck, making that. yeah, yeah. Vanash at the French right was your prediction uh, Vanash yes, at the French yeah. Yeah, that, yeah that's not happening but yeah Duckworth I'm not picking uh, I'm <laughs> he, not picking he, he, he just of... took a set of Novak Djokovic I don't know I mean like I, I feel everyone like he could get would in have there. taken a set of Novak Djokovic in oh. Belgrade and he should have lost <laughs> he should have lost to Vavrinka in the opening round Vavrinka missed so many chances and uh, was like uh, 6-1-5 all for the love up on uh, Vanash's serve, I think. Anyway, uh, that's neither here nor there. James Duckworth was the runner-up in Morelos, uh, so I'm not picking him here. I think he is going to probably struggle, you know, also has to fly in. So, yeah, I'm just going to have to go with Purcell. Uh, I, I, I just don't see anyone really that strong in his section whom I would be afraid of. Um, if he is playing at like his best level. So I'm going to go with the boring pick and just go with Purcell. Yeah, and I'm going to have to boringly uh, join you along uh, in yeah. picking Max Purcell when you sort of, I mean, yeah, you look at his section, Gomez has been out of form. Hong is is like the, the, the informed player of those five that we have. Uh, there's two qualifiers in there, but he should make it out of that section. I think he's beating anybody that comes out of the second uh, quarter where Duckworth is like the, the semi-inform maybe uh, player coming off of that final. Would, would you call him inform after that final loss? I don't really know. Uh, yeah, cool, cool lies out of form. I, I really like this for Purcell to go all the way to the final. The second half, as you know, the flip token is more exciting. You have more exciting matchups, I think. Eubanks, I'm really curious to see what he can do here. Uh, but ultimately, from the second round onwards, it really is just a, a, <laughs> a pummeling where you can get Diallo and then he has to play Ilkel or Harris or Vukic. Then he has to play, you know, Hijikata if he gets there or Thompson or Hyung Chung if, if he re returns in like godlike form. I'm just about, I'm about to bet on, on Hyung Chung to, to win this match, I think, because uh, the odds are like seven. Come on. Yeah. Anyway, Max Purcell for me as well. So we move to uh, Savannah, one of our 75s, three of them uh, that we have this week. The top seed being Zizou Bergs facing off with Bednat Tomic, which I mean, what a first rounder that is. Tomic continuously getting absolutely horrendous draws. Every single time that he does get into the main draw, he's he's played like one of the top two seeds, I think, like, well, like the, for the fourth time in a row or third time in a row. Something it's <laughs> he's he's had a rough time. Yeah, Duckworth. Uh, uh, he played Duckworth, and uh, then he also had that one event played, when he lost in the qualies, and he had one more when he ran into who was it? Tirante. Oh yeah, but Tirante would have been the top seed, probably oh, not, right? right? Like 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 the uh, what was it? Yeah, was I Tirante it, in Mexico City, and Tirante was. Tirante. I think Tirante yeah. was like the second seed. In Tirante was was pretty high. He wasn't. Um, no, oh, he no, actually he, wasn't. He, a seed. he wasn't seated. He actually like wasn't that. a seed. Yeah, so just Duckworth and um and um 
Yeah, and now Berks, but definitely a couple of really tough draws for him. But of course, that I loss to Rubin Statham is just inexcusable anyway. So, yeah, <laughs> we can't really yeah. excuse it from Dominic there. Winner of that match plays Dam or Yevsev. Also in the section, we have Galarno as the sixth seed playing Calvin Emery. Winner will play Bjorn Fertangelo or a qualifier. Enzo Kwakko is the third seed playing a qualifier and then one of two other qualifiers. Mitchell, Kru- Mitchell Kruger plays a qualifier and then Alex Rybakov or Nick Chappell. Next, we have Alex Mickelson, the eighth seed, playing Patrick Kipson, when we will face Evan Zhu or Andrea Adnabaldi. Nicolas Hiked is the fourth seed, playing Strong Kirkheimer, and then Ulysses Blanche or Matteo Martino. Final section, Facundo Diaz Acosta plays Oliver Crawford, Winner faces Moise Shargi or Ruben Statham. Uh, oh, well, is, is Ruben Statham, Jose Statham on green clay? Good question. If if some of you are not uh, don't know what Jakub is referring can to, reach out, yeah, I, I, yeah, we we need confirmation on this. He has like a, a Rubin Statham apparently has like a what is it Jose nickname? Jose, that he uses? yeah, yeah, his clay persona. And, yeah. The the funny like I remember seeing it for for ages. He just has like and it's official like in yeah. his ATP name. It is written into there, and I've remembered it for for years being there. And I've always thought, like, well, I, I wonder why he has, like, a second name, but it's not written, like, why is it in parentheses? That's so weird. Yeah. I remember and when we, uh, we, were, we were actually talking about it. Like, we were actually, um, you know, when, when Statham came back from his injury, we were confused whether to call him Jose or Ruben, Ruben because, yeah. of, like, sometimes it was this, sometimes it was this, and we had no idea what, what it was about. But apparently, yeah, it's his clay persona. So I think on clay, even even green, I think it's still Jose. Yeah. Jose is Jose Stadium activated. Uh, also in the section with Jose is Aziz Dugas, the fifth seed, playing Toby Kodat, and then Luca Pui, or a qualifier. In that qualifying, it's being played as we speak, but we have most of, yeah, all, all, all but one uh, are set, the second matches. We have Kang against Boyer. We have Kuzuhara beating Popko, a 6-4 in the third. He will face Blue Baker. Nanda plays Jacquet. Uh, and we have Eupovich, uh, Donald Young happening right now. So that's, that's pretty fun. In the doubles, we have Blumberg and Martinez coming off of a very, very tight finals loss last week. Uh, they will be looking for revenge, uh, as they face Nanda and Zhu. Um, we have Brenner Tomic playing with Matthias Franco Descote, a little bit random, uh, I don't know if they if they know each other well or something. Hakfa uh, Dugo and Christian Harrison is an interesting pairing, the second seeds. But going back to the singles, who do you like for the title in Savannah? Yeah, this just feels like a spot where I should be picking Diaz Acosta. You know, that's what I usually do. But he lost to Eshar Gui last uh, week and he can play him in, se- in the second round. So I'm not really sure what to think there. Uh, Puy is also getting a bit better, so maybe he can produce a run. Uh, Alex Michelson, I think, could be a great uh, green play player. Uh, green play player. He was in the quarterfinals in, um, of course, in Tallahassee, but he's playing Patrick Kipson, who, by the way, is leading the Ron Garros Wildcard Challenge, which Ooh. would be wild if Patrick Kipson got it. Uh, I I actually, I made the maths <laughs> this this week, and there's just one more. I mean. Just this one, one up, upcoming week is is going to be, uh, you know, in, involved in the 
in the challenge. And Kipsel actually has a pretty healthy lead. Uh, second place are like 25 points behind him, but they have already eliminated themselves either by not playing Steve Johnson or by um, like Dennis Kudla playing not on clay because then it doesn't count. Kwiatkowski was also close, but he's also not playing on clay. So generally barring a huge run in Savannah, it's probably, or maybe Emilio Nava winning a few matches in uh, Madrid because he has a major wildcard. Maybe even one more, maybe even one match would, well, one match wouldn't be enough, I think, but two of them would probably be enough. So burying a huge run there, it could actually be Patrick Gibson. So that, that would be a quite a story. I think usually Absolutely, it was, yeah. it was more established players. I think last year it was Michael Moe. Sok, I think, landed, landed that wildcard sometime. Um, of course, Fratangelo could be, uh, like if, if Fratangelo gets a huge green clay run here. Which you? Put. I was going to say I I have I have my own for, I, my my eye on Fratangelo yeah. coming in from behind and maybe I maybe, thought he was maybe, maybe going to be one of the favorites along with Sok uh, before the challenge and and maybe along with Moreno Dalboran. Moreno Dalboran is also in. He's playing a challenger this week and if he could be one of uh, like if he gets a huge run he can also stop stop Gibson. Uh, but anyway, um, when it comes to who I'm picking here, Quaco, again, I feel like he might go deep, especially looking at his draw, but again, he's probably not winning, right? So, um, Fratangelo is a very trendy, like, uh, niche pick. I like it, but I'm actually going to go with the boring option again, you know? I think Sisu Bergs can even go back to back here. Um, Ooh. the run, the run was pretty short. He is definitely pretty great on green clay. And I feel like he, he can really take this opportunity. Uh, it, it's a bit of a gut idea. Like I just feel it in my guts literally that Zizou Bergs is going to do well for the second week in a row. Um, I cannot really explain it, but of course he's one of the best players in the field as well. So it's not like it's yeah, an outrageous, outrageous selection. No, no. I mean, yeah, I think you picking back to back top picks is absolutely fine. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. <laughs> As I'm going for Bjorn Fratangelo, I, I have to go for it now. Now, now that I made this made this call about him potentially going to, well, you know, but, but, yeah, I mean, you you you're talking about gut pick. This is a gut pick for me, Bjorn okay. Fratangelo, on Green Clay in the situation where where Bergs is coming off of a back to back where nobody else in his section is at all threatening, uh, and then where the high seed in the other section is quite call. I think he can. If he gets in a roll, beat Quaco in the semis, make the final. I can see this going for Tangelo's way. I would say that it's about a 50-50 split between him and Bergs for for the, the section. Not, now that Bergs is coming off of a back-to-back, of course, I think neutrally Zizou, Zizou would be the, the favorite. Right, let's go to Ostrava. How fun. Where we have Ryan Peniston as the top seed playing Jakub Menshik, uh, when we will face Shintaro Mochizuki or a qualifier. We have Damir Jumhur here uh, as the eighth seed playing a qualifier, and then Gael Monfils with a wildcard or Evan Furness. We have Vit Kopshiva as the third seed playing Dana Dead, when we will face Shekic or Kolaj. Then we have Svachina as the ninth seed here. Uh, so, so he's moved around in the draw. Yeah, so that, that's, that, that's why, why I didn't see him. The... Yeah, Tabilo withdrew, and, and, and that, that's why I didn't see him. There yeah. you go. So he's been moving into a seated position, plays a qualifier, and then on clan or a Sachko. 
third section, we have Krutich playing Yonel and then Collignon or Ferreira Silva. We have Jeffrey Blancano playing Paul Martin Tifon and then Mate Valkus or a qualifier. In the final section, we have the second seed, Ivan Kachov, coming off of that Monte Carlo fairy tale uh, that he had, uh, gets to play Lukas Rosso in the first round, which I think will be, you know, in theory, electric if people turn up for him. I think that'd be nice. Yishi Vesely is the news, though. He is back from his injury, back with a whole new team. He's he's moved clubs for the first time in his professional career. Uh, so uh, he now has the, the conditioning coach that used to work with Beddich and Kvitova. Uh, he's also changed his regular coach to the former coach of, of Krejčíkova, I think. Uh, but yeah, his 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 conditioning coach, his fitness coach, is like the the high profile name because he's obviously worked with all the all the previous Czech stars. But yeah, here he comes playing Justino in the first round. Hope he can give a good account of himself at the very least. Because uh, yeah, I, I I don't think he's going to beat Justino here. I'm I'm more optimistic about the young Chang comeback. But yeah, uh, Bonadio is the sixth seed playing a qualifier and then Mayo or another qualifier. Let's have a look at those qualifiers. We have Gerald Meltzer, who just took out uh, Moro Cañas in the first round. He will play Sultanov for a spot in the main draw. Uh, Andre Otzi is also in play, playing Freebeck. Billy Harris uh, could shake things up, as we saw <laughs> earlier this season. Uh, Filip Peliwo got through the first round after some drama against Karol Dzewiecki, uh 7-6 in the third, which I mean, <laughs> just 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 the fact that Peliwo is going to 7-6 in the third with Dzewiecki on, on clay is not... Yeah, <laughs> I t- to be honest with you, I mean, with the, with the form that Peliwo is in this year, I kind of expected it. Struggle. But yeah, the fact that it ended in, in this sort of... Um, like, if, if someone hasn't seen, like, the video or the, just the end of that match, uh, Peliwo's forehand was called out initially at 4-6 down in the deciding tiebreak, but the umpire overruled it. Drzewiecki, like, fell onto the clay... Uh, had a very emotional reaction, which honestly, from the stream, it just doesn't look good for Palivo. It looks like he, well, I don't know if he knew, but like it looks like the ball was really out, at least from the stream. And of course, Dzewiecki didn't win a point after that. And uh, yeah, after the match, they exchanged a few words in Polish. And I, I, I'm struggling to sort of translate it, but basically Palivo kept saying that uh, for him, it was on the line. And Dzewiecki was like saying that he's unserious, but using a lot of swear words. <laughs> so um, I don't think they're going to like each other very much. Like they weren't directed at him. He wasn't calling him as something, but he was using swear words that, you know, you're doing something to me. So it's not that sort of, um, you know, argument, but it's it's still pretty huge. Um, so yeah, quite an interesting end to the all Polish qualifying matchup here. Yeah, it, it it didn't quite have the accusatory tone of Serena's "You robbed me," but it definitely had a lot more expletives. Yeah, within it. <laughs> uh, continuing in the qualifying, we have Patrick Zikl, uh, who who beat Matthias Borg. I think that's exciting uh, for him. I remember him from when he was a junior. Uh, Henry Squire playing Emilia Marchenko as well. Over in the doubles, Galloway and Reyes Varela are the top seeds, playing Johnson and Verbeek. That's two very solid teams. Kolaj is playing with Pavlasek this week. Uh, watch out for, for that one. We have Noza and Paulson back together. Yebavi is playing with Oswald. Uh, Blancano is playing with Peniston. Uh, 
Patek Jiku, who I just mentioned, is playing with Hinek Barton. Menchik and Svrčina also playing together. They will face the Sabon of Twins. Uh, Andreo Cienduran, the second seed, is playing Manafov and Zelenai. That's rough for, for Igor Zelenai in his quest. Uh, but yeah, back to the main draw. Who do you like for the title in Ostrava? Um, yeah, I don't think that someone like Gakov is just going to keep winning challenger events. Um, I think he might have some solid results, you know, now that he's onto the tour, but I don't know if I think of him as that sort of a player who will just instantly jump into it. Yeah, Izzy Vesely, uh, he might win a match, you know, he's playing Justino after all, but yeah, I just don't think he can win it. He can win the event realistically. Um, in the first section, you know, there's all these guys like Valkus or Krutik who have a very high ceiling, but sometimes their floor can be weird. Colino, I don't think he's going to go back to back or like almost back to back, right? Svcina, as we said, is just a, such a mess. Last year he was playing very well in Ostrava, but I'm not sure if that's something that I, I think he is from Ostrava as well. So, you know, that's something, but yeah, he is. So that's something potentially maybe to look at. There's definitely going to be a lot of uh, fans at his matches, like the one against Mute in the first round last year, which was super crazy. Um, but yeah, I just cannot really predict his results and playing on Clem or Sachko, who also had a good run in Ostrava last year. I just don't know if I can do it. Uh, not going for the top seed, not going to keep it up because Peniston Menchik, I just have absolutely no clue what's going to happen in this match. Peniston was the runner-up last year, but of course Menchik is kind of very talented. And Monfis Furness, what's interesting in that, and Monfis is actually a, a big favorite for that match, according to the bookies, which surprised me. Furness is the defending champion. So that's... Yeah, uh, what? <laughs> that's going to be quite exciting. Uh, yeah, I, money tonight. <laughs> I was also really surprised by that. I don't know if I'm going to bet on it myself. Um, frankly, I just do that like, you know, once per two months or something, but he's a yeah. pretty sizable favorite against Furness. So, um, that's yeah, insane. I, I don't really think that's true, but we'll see how, how the, yeah, how, how the Frenchman handles it, how both Frenchmen handle it. Menchik is the favorite against, against Peniston by, by like, yeah, know, but it's like super close, quite, right? Slightly, but yeah. Yeah. It's like super it's, close. It's, and it's, I, fun. I kind of agree with this, I guess. Peniston Menchik is just a, Total 50-50 to me. I just I, one of these matches you kind of gotta see uh, to know. Yeah, what's I, 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 I think after after the the solid ITF results, I think I think it's a good good test for for Menchik. Yeah, you know, come home. Uh, it's not like Peniston is some won sort in of Slovakia. A... I think I think it was in Internava that he they, they won uh, start of April. But yeah, and it, yeah. it's not like Peniston is some sort of a challenger juggernaut. Um, so anyway, my pick is going to be a little off the board this time, but, um, I don't know. I just like the section, I suppose. And, um, it's high time this guy got one, uh, and it's going to be Ricardo Bonadio. Uh, all right. Sixth seed, probably going to play a qualifier in the first round. Might, might play a qualifier in the second round. Maybe not the best form, but, um, like if he wins a few rounds, I can totally imagine Ricardo Bonadio taking a challenger title. Of course, he's already played a few finals and, uh, how many finals actually? Just two, right? Bratislava last year with Shevchenko and, um, um, Alcaraz in Trieste. So a couple of very <laughs> tough rivals as well. Um, I think here, if he played someone who's slightly easier, uh, the worrying thing is he was, uh, he was injured recently a bit as well, but, um, I don't know. 
Uh, I just don't really see a, a strong pick in this draw, so that's why I'm going to go with Bonadio. My second pick was probably going to be Svcina, frankly. Fair enough. I, I also considered Svcina. I was sort of weighing up Svcina up against Kopshiva uh, for who I think will make it out of that out of that top half because I think the first quarter is just a, a mess. I could see Menshik making it out, maybe Mochizuki. I mean, who knows what Monfils will, will bring as his level. Uh, but I'm actually going to go into your quarter and I'm going to pick Ivan Gachov. Uh, because while I agree that we probably won't see it uh, every week, uh, that level from Gachov, I think this is a nice draw to to start to de- to, to get to the quarter with with Bonadio. He will be a favorite if he's in there, I think. And yeah, I think he's better than anybody in the in the third quarter. Falcos could beat him if if he comes out up there with with a nice level. Uh, but yeah, Gachov for me. Fair enough. Hopefully we get a Bonadio Gakov quarterfinal then. Yeah, yeah. Have, have, have our have our guys face off. It's it's always fun. Let's move on to Rome, the real one, uh Italy. Mm-hmm. Uh not no not in Georgia. The Rome, the Roma Garden Open, where Fabian Marojan is, is the top seed playing a qualifier. Will then face uh couldn't face Richard or Sedarusic. We have the meeting of the Belgians. Sio is the lure facing Mikhail Hertz in the first round. Winner getting to play Pirano or Fatic. Maestrel is the fourth seed playing a qualifier, and then Andreev or Fausto Tabacco, which is <laughs> a fun name. I've I've not seen it before, I don't think. Uh Yellow Cells playing Philip Christian Giano, and then Max Hokes or another qualifier here. Uh, third section, we have Pellegrino playing a qualifier and then Koboli or Morando Alboran. Mattia Bellucci is in the same section playing a qualifier and then Trujeliti or Federico Arnaboldi. Fourth section, Agamemnon is the second seed playing a qualifier and then Mansuri or Rocabataya. Noikris plays Maguire and De Jong plays Gengel. From the qualifiers, some interesting names. We have Caruso, we have Durasovic playing Nagal. Whoever comes out will be interesting. Uh, Istomin. <laughs> That's yeah. a surprise. Uh, beat Fancelo will now play Francesco Forti uh, for for a spot in the main draw. It, it, any context on on what he, on why he's here? First time this year, right? He hasn't played since uh, since I, 2022. Yeah, I I thought he was essentially retired. I, I, someone told me that he's like maybe even coaching someone on the yeah, tour. Yeah, I, 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 sure I thought who. he was coaching somebody and not like officially retired. He was going to have yeah, some sort of farewell. Who is he coaching? I don't, I don't know. And like, um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Uh, probably not. Who is Denise Stavin? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess we don't really have a way to to just Google that. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, I, I actually it's... tried, but I don't see any in, in... any answer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, th- th- this sort of reminds me of like how Yuki Bambri is is uh, well. He's he has said that he's retired from singles, uh, but I always see him on like like deep in the alternates uh, where he only sends mm-hmm. up for singles with his predicted ranking in case that he he makes it in, uh, but never never sends up for the or like Jaziri, right? Into. Who had this big farewell yeah, and still is on some entry list yeah. from time to time. So. <laughs> yeah, so you know, I mean, it's, it's tennis. Guys are doing whatever. Lopez is, you know, he's been retiring for the. If past you have a chance for years. free money, uh, then why not, right? 
yeah, I mean, Leighton Hewitt ran it back like 15 times with his with hmm. his retirement. So <laughs> why why not these guys? Yeah, Jaziri is actually uh, Jaziri was actually the first alternate for Rome qualifying. <laughs> by the way, uh, oh my god, that 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 would be. I mean, great for whoever gets him in the first round. I mean, that's yeah. that, that's what you're really looking for. Is but like clearly he didn't. Clearly, <laughs> I mean, Rome, this Rome, not ATP uh, 1000, this, this Rome Challenger. Yeah. Uh, so uh, clearly he didn't show up in Rome because he would have gotten in as an alternate. But yeah, he was actually yeah. the first alternate. Like you know, if he. Uh, if before the draw, uh, before the draw was made, like before the deadline, uh, before the withdrawal deadline, he he would have been in. He would have actually been in the draw. Uh, so I don't know if maybe he would have played. Who knows? Yeah. Um. Sorry. Right. Uh. We go to the doubles. We have Dumbia and Rebel as the top seeds. Also have uh, Hidalgo teaming up with Niklas Salminen, who's been the part of uh, half of the best team this season alongside with Bart Stevens. So now we team up with Hidalgo. We have Golubev for the first time in what feels like a while. Or oh no, he's he's just been on the he's just been on the main tour or I'm not sure. Because yeah, I'm I'm not sure why he and Molchanov are unseated. Yeah, they're here. eight and eleven for the year. He's uh Golubev. He was just in the Banja Luka semis as well and Houston yeah, semis. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so they, they, they've been on the main tour. Um, but I guess, yeah. Just one, was, just one challenger this year enough. for Gorubiv, Mexico City. Yeah. Bambi Aminani also here. Berettini is just coming off of a final. He's now playing with Koboli here. Uh, they, they, they could summon Damaji again. Kureshi is playing with Acerik and Barrientos is playing with Cabral. Uh, back to the singles. Who do you like for the title here? Yeah, another tough one, frankly. Uh, you could try to go for Maroshan, but he's been so inconsistent. I don't know if he actually beats someone like, I don't know, Serdarusic second round, Delors quarters, Maestrelli Andreev second round. Didn't we see that at the Austrian Open? I think it was the first round of the qualifying at the Austrian Open. And, first round, uh, yeah. Yeah, and it could so. be, it could Sounds be a great, great match again. Koboli, Moreno, Dalboran, honestly, both of these guys, I could pick them if they were in another section, right? Koboli just made the quarterfinals in Marrakesh. Uh, Agamemnon won Rome before, right? Last year, probably. Um, so um, I, I could also pick pick him. Um, still, I don't really like that. Bellucci is out of form, which is a shame because he would also be in my um, in my sort of picking range. And I'm going to go with Andrea Pellegrino, who is also a Rome champion, 2021. I just feel like this this random run is coming. It has to have. It has he, to have. He always somewhere. has one. Yeah, he Look, always has one. At least one, and it just the, the, has the, to the, there's like two or three Pellegrino runs that we get a season, which is yeah. the reason why we have to then see him in the draw for the remainder of the year every single time. I mean, <laughs> almost look past him, but he is going to have those moments. Otherwise, he he wouldn't be here. Uh, th th this is how he got here. This is how he keeps himself here. So. I'm just going to hope that this is not the moment and it will be Flavio Coppoli's moment instead. Uh, last year only lost to Agamemnon in the semis. Uh, beat beat Choric here last year. That's I forgot about that. Uh, but yeah, as you said, coming off of that Munich quarterfinal where he beat uh, well, Rosso, Kolac, Thompson and Ote took a set of O'Connell. Eh, well, yeah, Coppoli for the title for me. 
we are actually increasing the chances that our peaks will uh, try to, well, will battle each other because we are now picking someone who is going to play in the second round. Perhaps in Buenos Aires, we can pick some guys who are going to face in the first round. <laughs> and that is going to just make If we manage certain. that, then I, I, will be, I will be very, very happy if we somehow get All that. Right. Uh, but yeah, on we go to Buenos Aires, which is a 50. Uh, but has the, the the field of you know these seventy fives that we've been seeing? It's, it's essentially the the same field, minus Barrios Vera and Tabilo. Uh, Cuiarini is the top seed playing Dutra da Silva. Uh, could then face Comesaña or Puccinelli de Almeida. We have Nick Hart six seed playing Lautaro Midon, and then Gonzalo Lama or Gonzalo Villanueva. Daderi plays Janvier, and then Otegi or a qualifier. Olivieri plays a qualifier, and then Barena or Rodriguez Taverna. Seibosch-Wild is facing Hassan. That's going to be an interesting first-round match here. Winner plays a qualifier or Murkel Delian. Uh, we have Komba Blofikovic playing Joao da Silva. Winner faces Boskadin uh, Diaz or Casanova. And in the final section, we have Tirante coming in here, the second seed, playing a qualifier and then Buruchaga or another qualifier. Also in a section, uh, Navone plays Lingua Lavayen and then Torres or another qualifier. In the actual qualifying, we have Aboyan, we have Heide, who's just coming off of that. Um, we have Facundo Juarez, who is now Italian. Oh. He, congratulations to Facundo Juarez on uh, becoming Italian. I've, I, the, I, I, don't, I don't know if this is the first tournament with it, but uh, here he is, Italian. Going to Franco Agamemnon's route, sort of. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and that works Luciano for Luciano I suppose. No, Darderi is the other way around, right? Wait, I'm I'm not struggling. That, that no, Darderi is also he, playing for Italy, right? So yeah, yeah. So yeah, Darderi yeah. Agamemnona, yeah. Yeah, uh, Juarez plays Haida in the second round. We have uh, Pereira, Conor, but as though you know, yeah, not not much going on in these uh, qualifying, especially as Bueno, another disappointing was 3-6-2-6 to Kestelboy. That's that's not what you want to see. Yeah. In the doubles, Casanova and Rodriguez Tevena are the top seeds. Boscandin Diaz and Heide are their first round opponents. They're just coming off of a title last week. That's pretty exciting. Um, what else do we have? What has the Peanut Brothers? That's always fun. Comesaña and Sebosh Wield are the fourth seeds. Going back to the singles, though, who will win it all in Buenos Aires? I unfortunately, I don't think we're gonna pick someone who's like gonna meet in the first round. I actually think we're gonna pick I, the I same player that. here. Yeah. I actually think oh. we're gonna pick the same player. Like I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure. So, well, in order to build some suspense, um, I think Colarini Dutra da Silva is a fantastic first round, but it also uh, makes me not want to pick out of this. <laughs> Um, I'm hoping for a, like a good run from Midon, but you know it's too early to pick him. Probably Rodriguez Taverna had a, uh, just had a good run in Europe, but we'll see if he also takes it here. Um, of course, there's also Tirante, but um, just jumping from that altitude hard in Morelos to clay, not altitude in Buenos Aires. I think it could be tough. So I think for me it's just a super simple Thiago Seibov will pick. You know, he 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 went out to Fonseca last year, but it's not like he played poorly. And um, yeah, I just think it's really really simple here. So that's why I think we're gonna both pick him. But maybe maybe I'm wrong. 
Maybe you are. Maybe you aren't. Um, you 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 are wrong. Uh, in fact, I'm not going to go with Sebosfield. Mostly because of the first run, I guess. Although, like, is Hassan going to replicate the the altitude form? That's unlikely. I don't know. Uh, Hassan I'm wasn't in altitude, though, right? Hassan was in uh, Florida. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. My, my bad. Other tournament. Well, then in that case, I guess that's a valid argument for me. Uh, Hassan just coming off of that semi, in theory, that's an argument. I'm going to go with Tirante, in fact. Um, he is coming off of a title. Yes, it is different conditions, all of that. This section, it is so soft. Um, I think, I mean, the qualifiers, as I said, none of them are particularly impressive. None of these players are in form. Uh, Navone just lost to, to Feldbausch. Torres just lost to to somebody like one and one, didn't he? Uh, Buruchaga, I, I, I'm not sure what he's been up to, actually. Uh, but yeah, Tirante, I think he will have time to play himself into form if, if he needs to. Um, as I, you know, we, we, we did, did not drop a set last week, which also comes into it in terms of the fatigue. Uh, but yeah, I quite like him to make it out of the section. I like him more than, than say, Bosch Wild uh, in, in this half for me personally. Tirante. I will remember and cherish this moment in a week when Tiago Wild raises his third challenger title or whatever i think is his third yeah so um when he, when he does that and i'm really sure he will i'm i'm gonna remember this moment and i i, I hope you will too um, yeah, you, you you would certainly make me remember it uh <laughs> <laughs> if, if 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 it does happen uh that's my goal that's my goal <laughs> Um, yeah, anyway, guys, I think we've reached the end of the show. It was extremely long. That's what the uh, bloody Challenger Tour organizers do to us when they schedule five events, then five events, then five events, then five events. But, you know, it's good. Yeah, look, it's actually good for the, the tour. It's I good had for two the solid tangents loaded this episode and I did not even use them. So I'm taking pity on Damian because it's 3 a.m. Uh, where he's the, where he's recording uh and all of you, as you are two hours deep into the recording, <laughs> and I will not, I will, I will, I will share them a different time, I think. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Interesting. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually fine, you know, 3 a.m., but uh, recording kind of keeps you on your toes, let's say. Uh, no, no, I, I, I just while. like, like every single time I read through the draw, I, I, I look at Damian and I'm like, oh my God, he is so, he's falling asleep to be reading this draw. I got to pick it up. Like, no, we no, we no. got to get out of here. It's not that bad. <laughs> I actually think that after we finish, I'm probably not going to go to sleep for like half an hour. That's usually what happens, frankly, when, uh, when, if we're, if we're recording super late, it actually keeps me awake for for like a, a bit longer time but you know you gotta wake up tomorrow seven eight seven o'clock so uh, matches main draw starts now i'm not gonna watch that probably um unless i have some weird case of insomnia i might watch Ma like madrid qualifying at 10 a.m so you know we'll see uh, life of a tennis fan is uh, definitely challenging and um, quite exciting at the same time anyway we're going to be with you in a week uh, when we're going to meet to discuss the five events. Again, five events, the only solitary one to five in, I don't remember where, but there's definitely, oh, I know, Seoul, I just, I just said it. And uh, the 475s in Rome. 
Good. Buenos Aires, Ro Rome? Savannah, yeah. Rome, and there has to be one more in Europe. Like the, right, there's always one more in Europe, but it's not Madrid. Madrid is the ATP 1000. Ostrava, of course. I was there last year live, and I keep forgetting it. But yeah, these are the five events that we're gonna meet with you guys in a week to discuss. Maybe I'm actually more tired than I thought. <laughs> Bye. Thank you.